you sitting, dude, Stella? I am fine in my chair now. Good. How are you, Anders? Tremendous, as always. Any story about the guitar behind you? Oh, it's just a uh, Fender. And uh, to the Fender, of course, I use an amplifier named Black Star. Okay. Does that say you anything, uh, Stella? That it's heavily Bowie-inspired. <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> <clears throat> so, today I was thinking that we could talk a bit about HubSpot. We haven't uh, we have talked about CRMs before, but let's uh, go more deeper into what HubSpot is. And uh, as our listeners are, uh, most most of the listeners are decision makers, so we talk about it on a quite a high level, but uh, and don't go into more like practical details that we could have another episode about. But let's start with you, Anders. How long have you used HubSpot for? Together with our customers, this is actually interesting that you ask because I believe it was this week that Doug and Stellan and I um, prepared something and the discussion came up. So Stellan, you, ha you have to correct me. Was it March 2012 yeah. that we started yeah. working together with, um, with HubSpot? So that, that's for how long that we ourselves and many of our customers eat as a complement to the full tech stack and, and more and more often as sort of the main part of the tech stack. Yeah. And so you, you worked at Zuma in 2012 as well, or? Yeah. Yeah. Started in uh, February, 2012. Great. So, so like, could you just describe a bit about what HubSpot is? I, I wish there was an easy answer, but uh, there are many different angles you could take on this. So uh, one is that, um, it's a system of record, uh, a, a CRM that on top of that has basically all the tools you need to run marketing, sales and service. And then on top of that, it has an open API with an ecosystem. So there are many you know, ready-made integrations that you can do to other tools if you think that HubSpot doesn't have exactly the features that you're looking for in, in one or several areas. Um, but in one way, it's sort of to simplify, uh, simplify the, the, the reasoning a bit, because uh, on a more uh, philosophical note, it's, uh, it's for anyone who has sort of decided that you want to take concrete steps and you want to do something that is fairly simple and easy to start with and to use. Um, rather than to spend years and years and years uh, developing things that are custom-made specifically to your way of working or your specific and often, unfortunately, I have to say, imagined needs. Mm. Um, so it's a little bit something that is good enough for most and that is really easy to get going with. Uh, and therefore, you you can sort of win a lot in terms of time to market, as it's uh, often called. Um, but I would say more in a sort of a, from a transformational journey, you get up to speed much faster. Okay. And that has that been uh, the case in start? I mean, since you... It, it has been the case in start, but not in uh, sort of such a broad aspect. So uh, when we started working with HubSpot, it, it covered marketing and it didn't really cover sales 
uh, or service. So in one way it did because there is a CRM uh, at the core. Um, and from that perspective, you want to have all your, your customer and prospect interactions in one place. And, and HubSpot could solve that. Um, but uh, for organizations who wanted sales enablement, integrations with uh, Outlook, LinkedIn, etc., none of that existed in 2012. Uh, all of that has, has been added later. So now it's much more of a much more complete platform. And Anders, what are the most important evolvements of HubSpot since you started uh, working with it in 2012, according to you? Originally, it was very clear that it was an American software. And very early on, we brought on uh, friends, customers, clients uh, who were very, very international. They, they could cover like 60 languages, etc. So it became very clear in the beginning that it was a um, American um, marketing software. They didn't have CMS in the beginning either. And I would say nowadays it's a huge software provider, very easy to work with, that has evolved from their original idea to something very, very impressive and still kept the, the main strength, which is ease of use. And, and I would say so far, the only software tool that that we work with ourselves and with our customers that actually has the CRM as the base for everything that they do. And, and we're not in this episode gonna mention all the interactions on one contact card again, but in their case, in HubSpot's case, it's, it's obvious a huge advantage that if you work with service, if you sort of use the operationals hub, if you work with sales or marketing, you have the full view of, of a customer. Many other claims they have, haven't seen it yet. Yeah. So, Stellan, could you elaborate a bit about the differences um, between HubSpot and other CRM on the market? Yeah, so the, the big difference is the ease of use. But ease of use often also, and in, it's true in HubSpot case as well, means that you there is a limit to what you can configure. So, uh, you 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 can only hack the system so much. <laughs> uh, and there, there, is, there is surprisingly many ways to hack it. <laughs> uh, but, but if you sort of reach a point where you, you, you want to sort of evolve, work in another tool, and your starting point is, we want everything to work exactly like it does in our current system, and we want to emulate that in, in HubSpot, then the answer is don't use HubSpot because it's, it's never going to succeed. It's not going to be possible. Whereas with- And you uh, shouldn't use any other system either because no. it will only be a never ending integration yeah. project. So. <laughs> yeah. But essentially, if you, if you want a never ending integration and migration project, then you could choose something like Salesforce or something where it's actually, you, you can do anything more or less. Um, and so uh, that, that's sort of the, I would say key difference between HubSpot and many others is that yes, it's it is limited. There is a limit to what you can do and and uh, and how much you can hack it. But it it's actually a benefit that it is like that. It's they they have uh, most of the ways that you can configure the system uh, like is what most organizations need, <laughs> and so so therefore in for most it's the perfect tool 
it's like you 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 can't go wrong with it in, in, in a way and and then fair to say that we have been and do work with with now you are telling about the crm part um we, we have seen used work with lots of different crms but important to bear in mind that the history of crm as we have said in another episode is to make administrators of sales reps make sure that they log all the history they can come up with and then we will tap them on their shoulders so if you are specifically about crm i i believe that if a person is semi i'm ambitious and if a person is prefers comfort in in their career if if we presume that when we're about to get a tool, then we need to think differently than to change the whole nature of someone who has a job. I, by that I say, I don't believe generally that people who are non-administrators should become administrators. I believe that you should, if you have a good forehand in tennis, that's your main weapon. Don't talk about too much how bad your backhand is. If I can choose between a very relevant salesperson who is good at online and digital interactions, and even if they meet someone physically, um, and a person who's a good administrator, um, then I know what to pick. But if I can help the very skilled uh, relation-driven sales guy or sales lady, the sales rep, then you have to pick a tool where they become more intelligent and, and, and more structured and understand why they should look inside a tool instead of sort of picking up their phone and etc. Make fake Excel reports to, to make it look like they do a hell of a good job. Um, that That's not the way I think you would CRM should walk. Then you can have an Excel sheet. And uh, about the pricing, uh, Stellan, how, how how is uh, hubspot on the market there is it so it's a free, premium it's a freemium model so uh, basically you can start for free and then uh, as you need you upgrade and add features um, and uh, i think it's uh, it's a smart way of uh, getting people to try the platform and understand what it can do the the drawback is that people might think that since or since it's so easy <laughs> people might start it without having an actual commitment. So uh, yeah, there is one one situation is playing around a bit and another one is once you decide that this is what we should do, uh, then you actually need a real commitment from the organization and it takes time and effort to uh, to move to a new way of working, um, uh, HubSpot or anything else. Um, and, uh, and I think that's, uh, yeah, sometimes unfortunately overlooked. Um, and uh, and it's uh, but it's it's a key aspect, especially with with HubSpot, where sort of the the actual ramp up of working with the tool is quite short. So so it's not that you have like a, a six or twelve month period where you mostly work on specifications and and implementations, coding and so on. Uh, but you actually you know it's a couple of weeks of uh, of configurations and and uh, then the organization is up and up and running. You know, the pilot is done and you can roll out in the organization. Very few, Alexander, of, of the fantastic companies that, that we know and work with and meet each and every day, um, large B2B companies are in need of increased complexity and to slow down. Very few, if ever, I have met uh, 
sort of fantastic traditional B2B company that is in need of increasing the complexity and, and slowing down because they go on too fast. Yeah. I, I think that company doesn't exist. So um, play it easy, make sure stuff happened on a three weeks basis, not on a three years not happening basis. I can tell you something. I have a problem to record this episode. Um, and here it came again. I will explain it. Last night, usually I listen to a lot of pods and educations and webinars while I answer emails in the evening. And last night I was listening to an American guy who had actually a fantastic presentation about personalization. But something came into my head which made it impossible to email and listen to him at the same time because he said, uh, the whole time. So I had to stop emailing, started to look at him, listening intensively, but I only heard, uh. So I decided to listen to it this morning. And then I had a CSEO presentation from a webinar with a lot of different participants, very skilled. Most likely they had a lot of nice things to tell and I only heard, uh, again. So I took a decision be before this episode, please, Anders, do whatever you can not to use uh. And the first thing I did in the pod today, you can do a log on this, Doug, was saying uh. <laughs> so I have a suggestion for us. Everyone knows that we love CSR. Whoever participates in the episode, if they say uh, they need to give one krona to Gothenburg's Statsmikon. So whoever participates here from the next recording, Afterwards, in the transcription, Doug will say, Stella, you owe Gothenburg Statsmission 23 Swedish kroner. Anders, you own 550 <laughs> or whatever it is, if it's fine with you. And then with other colleagues, we should challenge them the same way. I have yeah. coached you at one time, Alexander, saying, Oui, at the presentation with this fantastic Dutch company, it was a lot of a. Uh, but I realized when I listened to the recordings that I err uh, a lot as well. So I'm going to make a good try. So I speak slower today. And when I think, I try to shut up. Excuse the language. Yeah, challenge accepted. From the next episode. <laughs> so, Anders, you have um, worked with implementing uh, shit. Now it's, it's very hard to talk when I have this I in my head. I know. But you have uh, worked with implementing HubSpot for many clients and b bigger B2B companies since 2012. What's the general comment after an implementation, after a few years of working with HubSpot from the decision maker at these uh, co companies? I, I'm going to twist that question 180 degrees and instead answer what is the key to be successful implementing it. Start thinking wh whether you're going to implement something, whatever you're going to implement that is involving service, sales, marketing, all, all the commercial aspects, bring aboard and support a pilot with sales. They have, if they've been working 10 or 15 or 20 years, they have so much shit to compare with when it comes to the content provided from marketing, the intelligence provided from interactions to get a 360 view of customers. If they know what the customer answered last time in the customer index or whatever, or the MTS. So start by bringing on the commercial part and sales 
then everything else be easier if they feel that they finally get something that contributes to their relations and makes it easier to sort of fulfill their remuneration models then you get going so all the marketing managers or support leaders in in the world stop thinking awareness and and other things and in service stop thinking oh they complain a lot start focusing from a commercial perspective and thinking how is it to sit in their chair that that i think is the main learning for us our customers and the most important thing to think about when you implement whatever tool even though you want to talk about hubspot now whatever change you're about to do make sure you do it from a commercial aspect and then i don't talk about sort of start knocking on doors and and, and trying to be old school then I think about onboarding, make, make it easier for them, all aspects. That's where it happened in, in the relation there and on the service side. And then you push marketing to only provide things that um, for all touch points and interactions in the life cycle, be ready to, to bring and provide the stuff that they need. So no other. And I, I think <laughs> the aspect of why we're doing it is very, very important. So um, they, that, that often sort of defines the outcome. So if it's a bit uh, confused, the outcome is often confused. But, uh, but if it's defined and there is a very clear objective, then the objective is met. And Stellan Björnöcker is very, very seldom confused. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so we talked uh, a bit about the, the pros. Are there any obvious cons uh, Stellan that the companies should uh... yeah so we talked about some of them before but if, if you want to work exactly the way you're currently working and try to emulate that or implement that that's not going to work uh, if you have a, a very sort of you, you want to launch something globally from the get go and you have a, a very complex uh, situation in terms of responsibilities global, uh, local etc then then there is there is no simple way of doing that within you know single instance of uh, of hubspot uh, you would have to have multiple hubspot accounts uh, on local markets and so on so that's that is one aspect to think about um, and the third one i would say is pricing is attractive compared to most other systems uh, but if you 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 always run into um, sort of over time not managing your licenses so you might end up with uh, you know thousands and thousands of contacts for example that bring no value like you have no interactions um, either in marketing sales or service um, might that just be more or less web spam people who downloaded something once uh, left a comment on something once and then never came back has not been active, doesn't open any emails, do not subscribe to anything and so on. They could be left if you don't do like maintenance over time and that increases your license. You could also um, buy features that you, that you don't use. So just as you have a clear objective with getting going from the beginning, when you expand to, to add more features, you have to be very clear about why you're doing it, who's supposed to use it and so on. Yep, great. Thank you both very much for uh, participating today. Thank you. Thank you, Alexander.
Well, thank you for listening to this episode. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to it on Spotify, SoundCloud, or you can subscribe to it on Zuma.se. Thank you very much and bye-bye.